Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Amen. It's so good to see you guys here. I'm excited to be here with you all today. You know, I'm just so expectant. How many are expectant for what God's going to do today? Come on. How many expectant for what God's going to do today? Come on. We know that God meets us at the level of our expectation. If you don't expect much, then you ain't going to receive much. But how many of you know that if you have an expectation for God to come in and do some amazing and incredible things in your life, he's going to do it. I said he's going to do it. We're excited today to conclude our series, Open Door. Can you all say Open Door? I have enjoyed this series. I have enjoyed teaching through the word of God on this idea that God wants to open up doors for us. Not just in January. But he wants to open up some doors for us throughout this year. Are you believing for God to open up some doors for you? And so that has been our prayer all month long. And as Sam said, I'm so proud of every single one of you that has been fasting and praying with us together over the last 21 days. You get to go and have a good meal after church today. Some of y'all probably started this morning with breakfast. You guys are like... Yeah, we go into the 1030. I'm going out to eat. Uh, But we're excited for um, what God is going to do. And I hope, this is the last thing I'll say before I move on. I hope that in your time of prayer and fasting, that you brought forth some prayer requests before God. Did anybody make some requests known to God as you were in prayer and fasting? It's a good thing. I wrote some things down. There's just some things that I'm believing for this church. Wrote them down. There's just some doors that I'm praying that God is going to open miraculously. And so I'm waiting now. I've done my part. And now it's like, okay, God, now the rest is on you. And I just believe that he is going to do it. So let's go in. John chapter 20. Go with me to John chapter 20. And we're going to read a few verses there beginning at verse 24 through 31. And as you are pulling that up, I'm excited about relationship rehab next month. I really am. You know, when we teach on relationships, it's like this church, y'all really lean in. I know that because it's some of the most rewatched messages. We we track the data, you know what I'm saying? And so we can see y'all like it. And um, if you've been having a hard time with relationships and, and they just aren't seem to be working out for you, um, I think you want to, you ought to be here. You know what I mean? Let's make sure you're not the common denominator, okay? Let's start there, and then we'll work our way out. Sound good, everybody? I say that with all love, okay? But I say that with all love. But um, I'm excited to dig in. But let's go to the task at hand. John chapter 20, and it reads as follows. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I, seal the nail, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and this time Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, 
Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Then Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought, permission to dream again. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you have permission to dream again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for these moments that we have together in your presence. Thank you, Father, for how you have already moved in this worship service. God, our heart's prayer, which has really become our declaration, is that, Father, we would experience nothing more than you, your presence, you in our heart, you moving in our lives. We need you, Father. And now, Lord God, as we turn to your word, I pray that you speak to us. I pray that every heart and mind would be open to receive your word. And as I speak to this room and to this audience, would you speak to every individual, giving them a word that they need from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands, everybody, one last time. You may be seated. The other day, my wife and I were out on a walk, and we were talking about how so many things have shifted as a result of 2020. How many of you know things kind of changed after 2020? And some of those things, you kind of want to go back to the way they were before, right? I mean, how do you remember when it was standard to just tip 15% when you went to the restaurant? Like, I don't know what happened in 2020, but it jumped up to 18%. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't consider myself a frugal person, but I stayed at 15. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, no, we, we're not doing 18%. The other day, my wife went out to dinner with her family, and because we're Hispanics, family is large, even though we think it's just, just my family, but it's a large group. They hit her with a 20%, you know, 20% service charge because your family showed up. She's like, what in the world? And uh, I just told her, well, that's just the world we live in. Things changed after 2020. It's funny how pastors, I, I hang out with pastors oftentimes, and so when we talk to pastors about the church and how they're doing, so many times pastors want to size up their churches by giving you their Sunday attendance, and they'll sometimes say, you know, before COVID, we were 500 people, but now we're 350, as if any of that matters, you know what I mean? It's like, that's like the equivalent of you saying, you know, before COVID, I used to weigh 160, but uh, now I weigh 200, but before I was 160. Okay, nobody says that, all right? Stop saying that about your church attendance. My point being is, there are moments that shift us. There are moments when things come and they just shift some things. And sometimes those shifts cause us to stop believing. Sometimes those shifts cause us to stop trusting. Those shifts cause us to stop dreaming. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Because there's some people in this room that I believe you stopped dreaming because something shifted in your life. You stopped believing big things. You stopped praying big prayers because something shifted in your life. And I believe you are not living up 
to the purpose that God has for your life, and you're living down to what you've experienced so far. And I am here to call you back up and to let you know that you have permission to dream again. Come on, does anybody want to dream again? Does anyone want to believe again? Does anyone need a fresh infusion into their faith? So let's go into John chapter 20 and unpack this story about Thomas. Can you all say Thomas? In John's gospel here in chapter 20 of John, we are introduced to Thomas. Now, Thomas was one of the 12 disciples. And what happened was after Jesus resurrected from the dead, he hung around the earth for about 40 days. He wanted to make sure that his presence was known and felt. So Jesus stuck around on earth, appearing, disappearing, reappearing, and disappearing for 40 days. Days And on one occasion, he appeared before his disciples in a house that they had gathered in, and they had locked the doors. Why did they lock their doors? Well, they were afraid of persecution. They had just killed Jesus, so they were afraid that the same people that killed Jesus might be coming to kill them since they were Jesus' followers. And so they had gathered quietly in a home, and Jesus appeared to them. Now John wasn't there. John, I'm sorry, Thomas wasn't there. Thomas had started to feel a certain way about everything that had just happened. Thomas wasn't in the room, and we'll unpack in just a minute why I believe he wasn't in the room. But the story goes on that the disciples, after they saw Jesus and Thomas not being there, they ran to Thomas and said, Thomas, we've seen Jesus. Thomas, Jesus appeared to us once again. And what did Thomas say to them? That's Cap. No, I'm sorry, that's what my kids would have said. That's what my kids would have said. But what Thomas says, I'll show you the scripture. It says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. And of course, because he said this, everybody threw a lot of shade on Thomas and we call him Doubting Thomas. Think about that for a second. He's the only rational person in the room and they're like, you're a doubter. I mean, if I were to go up to you and picked out one of your favorite deceased family members and said, hey, I just saw your grandpa. You'd be like, dude, you're crazy. You saw someone, but you didn't see my grandpa. My grandpa's dead, and he's in the cemetery. And, and that's what it was like when they came to Thomas. Like, Thomas, we saw Jesus. And Thomas is like, y'all wild, man, because I was there when they crucified him. I, I was there when they put him in the tomb. I was there when they rolled the stone over the face of the tomb. So Thomas is the only reasonable person, and we're like, he was such a doubter. You would doubt too if you were Thomas. But I want you to understand, uh, I want to sit in with Thomas just for a moment. See, we have the benefit of knowing the ending from the beginning, and that's typically how we read our Bible. We read it knowing the ending from the beginning, and we don't read the Bible and sit with the character. So we're going to sit with Thomas for a few minutes this morning. Is that okay, everybody? So let me tell you who Thomas is, because many of you were just like, okay, he was one of the 12, big deal, who is Thomas? Thomas is your crazy friend that you want to have in your life whenever you get into trouble. How many of you got a crazy friend that you can count on when you get into trouble? How many of you are that crazy friend? Like, you're just ready to fight on a moment's notice. Like, someone messes with your brother, you're like, pulling up, just say where. Send me a pin, I will be there. That's who Thomas was. Why do I say that? Because there's this story where Jesus and his disciples were ministering once in the city of Bethany, and they almost killed Jesus in Bethany. They, they, they ran Jesus out of Bethany, and the disciples said, we'll never go back to Bethany. 
And then one moment we read that Jesus' best friend, Lazarus, was sick. And so Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sister, said, somebody get a hold of Jesus. He needs to come pray for Lazarus because he's sick. And we need to pray that Lazarus would be healed from this sickness. So they go to Jesus and like, Jesus, Lazarus is sick. We got to go see about Lazarus. And then all of a sudden, Peter, who's normally brave, and Matthew, who's normally brave, they're like, whoa, 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 hold up, Jesus, hold up, hold up. Lazarus is in Bethany. Yeah, and we, we ain't going back to Bethany. Just, you know what happened last time we were at Bethany? The last time we were at Bethany, they tried to kill you. I'm in my Bible, okay? I'm paraphrasing, but it is there. They said, Jesus, we can't go back to Bethany. They almost killed you the last time we were there. But there was one person who spoke up. Do you want to know who spoke up? Thomas. Thomas said, hey, man, I'll go with you, Jesus. Peter's acting like a buster. John's acting like a sissy. Okay, Matthew, I don't know what his problem is, problem is, but listen, I'll go with you, and if we die, we die. That was Thomas. Thomas was the person that was ready and willing to get into a fight, but he said to Jesus, if you go to die, then we will go and die with you. That's who Thomas was. The problem was, when Jesus eventually went to die, Thomas didn't die with him. When Jesus was crucified on a cross, even though Thomas was about that life, as they say, he wasn't there with Jesus. And now, all of a sudden, Thomas is feeling all kinds of feelings because the man that he said he would roll with up until his death, he wasn't there. And now this person that he followed for the last three and a half Years. Let me tell you, Lighthouse Church, Thomas left everything to follow Jesus, and now Jesus is dead. Thomas dropped everything to give his life to following Jesus, and now this person that he devoted his entire life to is dead. And how does that have Thomas feeling? Well, he's in his feelings. He's actually grieving, and we can find this in the text. There are five stages of grief. Have you guys ever heard about the five stages of grief? Let me walk you through them real quick. The first one is denial. You're just in denial of what had happened. The second is anger. You're mad about what happened. Third is bargaining. You're trying to bargain with your own feelings and your emotions. Number four is depression. And finally, acceptance. And we actually see Thomas going through all Five stages of grief because that's where Thomas was. Thomas was grieving. The first thing that we find is Thomas is angry because John's gospel records that, that when Jesus rose from the grave, it was the women that ran to the tomb first. Come on, how many know women are the first to arrive on the scene? Sometimes women just figure things out first and then the husbands follow along a little bit later. I love it when my, my wife says, my mother's intuition is kicking in. The minute my wife says mother's intuition, she might as well be a prophet. I just listen. I'm like, oh, the Lord is speaking to her. And then us men kind of roll in later. I love how in John's gospel, John says that the women went and then they came. And the Bible says that Peter and John ran to the tomb. Do you want to know who wasn't there? Thomas. Why? Because he's angry. Thomas is upset because Jesus is dead. And then Jesus appears to his disciples, and they've all, they've, they've all continued to hang out together. But Thomas isn't in the room. Why is he in the room? Because he's in denial. He's in the second stage of grief. So we actually see Thomas moving through anger, 
and moving through denial. And then finally, when the disciples come to him and the disciples are like, we saw Jesus. You see Thomas actually start bargaining with them. He's like, you know, I'm not going to believe you unless I touch his hands and put my hands into his side. What is he doing now? He's bargaining with them. So he's, he's going through all the five stages of grief. But here's what you need to know. And if you're taking notes, write this down. When Jesus died, Thomas's dreams died with him. When Jesus died, Thomas's dreams died with him because Jesus was not supposed to die. And if Jesus died, Thomas was supposed to die with him. So how is Thomas doing? He's not good. How many can relate to that? Or you're just not good. Just not good. I'm not doing well. I don't want to go to church today. I'm not doing well. I don't even want to watch online today. I'm not doing well. Don't even want to see the Lighthouse social media account. I'm not good. And that's the condition that we find Thomas in. But then Jesus shows up. All of a sudden, when Thomas is in his feelings and Thomas is at his lowest point, Jesus shows up. And I love the details that we have here in the scripture. Because when Jesus shows up, Jesus is about to make the kind of entrance that only Jesus can make. Jesus is about to walk into the room in the way that only Jesus could walk into the room. You see, the Bible records in the Bible, every time you get intricate details about the story pay attention because you're getting a revelation of who God is the Bible says and we read in the text that the doors were shut and the doors were locked the doors were shut and the doors were locked and somehow Jesus appears into the room he didn't go through the front door he didn't unlock the door he didn't open the door and shut the door behind him Jesus didn't do any of that Jesus just appeared he moved from the spirit realm into the natural realm and he did that to let everybody know this closed doors keep people out but closed doors cannot keep God out I said closed doors keep people out, but closed doors cannot keep God out. Some of you guys got to get that in your spirit right now because we're in a series called Open Door, and some of you are like, I haven't seen the door open yet, Pastor Josh. I'm happy for some of my friends that have been seeing doors open. I'm happy for those who have seen miracles. I'm happy for those that have seen God open up these doors, but he's not doing it for me. The doors to my life are still shut. But let me remind you today of one thing. There is no door that it could ever be closed that is strong enough to keep Jesus out. And as a matter of fact, sometimes the doors are closed so that God can reveal to you more of who he is. You see, because you'll never know him as your healer unless you're sick. Now, I know you don't want to be sick, and I know you don't want to know what that feels like, but until God heals your body personally, you can't raise your hands and say, he is my healer. He's the one who touched me. He's the one that did the miraculous. Sometimes the closed door might look closed to every doctor. It might look closed to medicine. But how many of you know it only takes one touch of Jesus to heal your body? How many of you know it only takes one touch of Jesus to do the impossible? At this time last year, I couldn't even fast with the church because I had all kinds of medical stuff going on with me. I had a procedure done in the month of November, and all of a sudden, come January, my body was jacked. And I was talking to the doctors about what I'm going through, and they weren't quite sure what was going on. And I wasn't eating, and it wasn't because I was fasting. It's because I could not hold down anything. And so I'm trying to reach my surgeon, 
And finally, my surgeon tells me, we're going to do another CAT scan because one of two things are happening with you. But everything that you're describing lets us know that we got to do surgery on you one more time. So what we're going to do is do a CAT scan on you, and then we'll know exactly what the procedure needs to be. And I was all for it because I was losing weight. And like I said, I wasn't fasting. I just couldn't even eat anything. I told my doctor I had some broth yesterday, and that jacked me up. I was in so much pain having broth. And so I remember one day just being so fed up with it. And we were, the whole church is in fasting. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm on a different type of fast. I'm on like, the, try not to die fast. You know what I mean? Like you can't eat anything. But anyway, I'm on that. I'll remember, I remember that I had a CAT scan scheduled on Tuesday. But on that Sunday, I, I got a little restless with God. Come on, how many ever been restless with God? Well, you're kind of talking to him, but you're also kind of mad at him at the same time. Where you're like, God, I'm kind of offended right now because because you've been healing all these other people, but you haven't touched me yet. God, I'm a little disappointed with you right now because I expected you to move and you didn't move in my life. Come on, how many know you can be real with God? How many of you know God's not afraid to take on your questions? How many of you know that God ain't going to get upset when you get upset? It's okay to process with God. I was processing with God, but I'll never forget that in the middle of my sermon, I began to declare that Jesus is a healer. I began to declare that God can do miracles. I began to declare that God can do the impossible. And I'll never forget that as I was preaching, I began to feel a warmth just right here, right in the area of my pain. And as I was preaching that God is a healer God began to heal me and God began to do a miraculous healing in my body so I'll never forget I went home that evening and tested my theory I hadn't been able to eat anything I told my wife I said I think God healed me in the middle of the sermon She's like, there's only one way to know. And so I ate that night, felt much better. I went and got the CAT scan. And the doctor called me and says, whatever is wrong with you, we can't see anything. You say you're good. You're good, Josh. And so I thank God for being my healer. My point being is you'll never know him as the God who can open closed doors unless some doors have been closed in your life. Now, I know some of y'all don't want doors to be closed in your life, but how else are you going to get a revelation of him? How else are you going to see him in a way that you've never seen him work before? And here's another thing I know. Write this down. God's greatest work is done when the doors are closed. God's greatest work is done when the doors are closed. I know you want God to do it and you want it to be easy. But sometimes God's got to do it when everything is stacked against you. Come on. Sometimes God is going to allow doors to close so that he can do The miraculous. Let's just think about his burial for one second. When Jesus was buried and he was placed in a tomb, the Bible says that they rolled a stone over the face of the tomb. In other words, they closed the door. And I can just imagine for one second that God was just waiting for them to close the door so that he could resurrect his son. He was getting ready to do his greatest work, but he wasn't going to defeat death until they closed the door. He wasn't going to defeat the grave until they closed the door. But the minute they closed the door, that's when Jesus got to work. And when Jesus came out of that grave, he conquered death, he conquered hell, and he has now given us resurrection power. Come on, how many know he does his greatest work when the doors are closed? The first time Jesus appeared to them in that house, the doors were also closed. And what does he do? He shows up. 
He simply shows up. Let me show this to you in the scripture because many of you read this verse and you've missed it. But here's the key. Matthew 6, 6. Let's read it. But when you pray, go into your room. What does it say there? Close the door. Say that one more time. Close the door. Why? Because he's getting ready to do something incredible in and through you. It says, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He doesn't say just go to your room. And he doesn't say just pray. But he says when you go into your prayer closet, close the doors because I do my best work when the doors are closed. I do my best work when everybody's giving up on you. I do my best work when the doctors say there's no more chance for you. I do my best work when the bank says there's no hope for you. I do my best work when all of your family walks out on you. I do my best work when it seems like there's no hope. That's when Jesus rolls up his sleeves and he's getting ready to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask, think, or imagine. He does his greatest work. When the doors are closed. I know you want to put everything on Instagram. But sometimes he needs for you to shut up and let him work. I know you want to turn everything into a reel so you can be influential. But sometimes God just needs you to be silent so that he can work. Because closed doors means the master is working. Closed doors means that God is getting ready to do the improbable in your life. Come on, somebody give God some praise for that. What you need to know is this. Some doors are closed so that you can pray them open. Some doors are closed so that you can pray them open. You wouldn't pray if that door was open. You would not call out to him unless he allowed for the door to be closed. But God will allow some doors to be closed to teach us, to pray, to teach us, to fast. I'm thinking about the time in the scriptures where Jesus went away to pray and all of his disciples encountered a man with a demon-possessed son. And they, the man came looking for Jesus, but all he could find was his disciples. He was like, all right, I'll settle for you guys. Like, listen, my son's got a demon in him. Can you do something about it? Oh, yeah, we got this. The Bible says they started praying. Nothing was happening. Then they started praying like Jesus prayed. You know what I mean? They kind of like mimicked him with the fluctuation in his voice and what Jesus did with his hands. And they're trying to do everything like Jesus, and nothing's happening. Finally, Jesus comes down off the mountain, and when Jesus comes down off the mountain, he sees the mess. He's like, what's up, guys? And they're like, Jesus, we can't cast the devil out of this kid. I know you said you gave us all power and authority, and I know that you said that we can do this, but we can't do it. And Jesus looks at the kid, speaks a simple word over him, and the demon is gone. And what happens after that? The disciples asked Jesus, how come we couldn't do this? What did Jesus do? He didn't allow them to do this because he went on to say, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Y'all saw me do it, but you haven't prayed the prayers that I've prayed. You haven't fasted the type of fast that I fast. So until you pray and fast like I do, you're not going to experience the power that I have. And so even though he had given them the authority, they had not activated that authority in their life. You see, every single one of you sitting in this church right now has authority in the word of God, and you have the authority of resurrection power on the inside of you. The Bible says that when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, the same resurrection power that was in Jesus is in the inside of you. You just haven't activated it yet. 
And until you start praying and fasting, you will not activate the power that is on the inside of you. And so Jesus tells them, you got to start praying and you got to start fasting. And when you do these things, you're going to see these doors miraculously open in your life. Some doors are closed so that you can pray them open. I, I, I begin to write some things down in my prayer journal, just believing for Lighthouse Church this year. I don't know about you, but I'm just believing that God's going to continue to bless and grow and that Lighthouse Church is going to make a greater impact on our city. I've been believing for that. Anybody want to see Lighthouse Church make a bigger impact on our city and on the county? So I told God, I said, you're going to have to double our income this year. You're going to have to do that. Began to tell God, you're going to open up the opportunity for us to have a greater impact in our city. Begin to write these things out on my prayer journal, and I brought them before God because here's the deal. Unless you pray bold prayers, you're not going to see bold answers. Some of y'all only praying for your food. <laughs> How often do you talk to my father? How often do you talk to your father? Every time I eat, Pastor Josh. Okay. But what about, as we were just singing just a minute ago, just to sit and to be in his presence with no ulterior motive, but then to just be with Jesus. Some doors are closed so that you can pray them open. Let me come to a close and let me get you to the end of this story. We see here that Jesus walks into the room. And I want you to catch this. When Jesus, when Jesus walked into the room, he was not with the disciples the first time the disciples had a conversation with Thomas. Remember, the disciples came to Thomas like, Thomas! We saw Jesus. And Thomas is like, nah, I don't believe you. Listen, I'm not going to believe you. He starts bargaining. I'm not going to believe you until I touch his hands, touch his side. Only then will I believe. It's only then that I'll start to believe again. Listen to that statement. It's only then that I'll believe, meaning he stopped believing. After Jesus died, he stopped believing. Some of y'all come to church on Sunday, but you still don't believe. And I'm here to activate your belief once again. I want some of you guys to start believing for God to do things in your life. Don't give up on the dreams that God deposited on the inside of you in one season of your life. Just because you didn't see the, the fruit after that season doesn't mean there's not fruit for your future. I don't even have enough time to get into all of this, but if you just looked at gardening, how many know that when you plant an apple tree, next year you ain't getting apples? It takes a few years in order for fruit to produce. And some of us are like, well, I prayed for 21 days and nothing happened. Keep praying. Keep believing. Thomas, stop believing in that moment. He's like, I'm not believing until I touch his hands, until I put my hand to his side. I'm not believing. So here's what happens. Jesus shows up, and like I said just a minute ago, he just appears. And Jesus wasn't there to hear Thomas, but he knew where Thomas was hurting. Because when Jesus walks in, he locks eyes with Thomas. He's looking, looking at him, squaring there. He's giving you that uncomfortable look. How many ever gotten that uncomfortable look like your dad or something? Come on, I, I didn't realize that half of parenting was just staring down my kids to get them to behave. I'm gonna say anything. I just stare at them and they're like, oh crap, I'm in trouble. Yeah. I feel like Jesus gave Thomas that stare. And Thomas is like, oh man, he's here. He's really here. And listen, Jesus didn't know what Thomas said, but he knew what Thomas needed. He said, put your finger here. See my hands. Remember Thomas said, unless I see him, unless I touch him. He says, put your fingers here. See my hands. And he says, reach out your hand and put it into my side. That's why I said a minute ago, Jesus is not 
worried about you confronting him with your doubt. Thomas said, unless this happens, I won't believe. So Jesus comes up and says, touch my hands, touch my side. And I love that Jesus will do that. He'll meet us right where our greatest need is. I know some of you think you're too far gone for him. You're not. I know some of you are in this room and you're thinking that the dream is dead. It's not. I know some of you might be thinking that there's no way that I'll experience God in that manner. You can if you just desire to meet with him. If you will say, Father, I allow you in once again. Here's my last note. The door is closed, but the dream is open. Jesus walked in and the door was closed, but the dream was open, meaning he was not done with Thomas. I love how Thomas's story ends. You're not going to find this in the Bible. You've got to study the writings of the early church fathers, and you have to study early church history. But after this moment, you actually don't hear anything about Thomas after this. You read the book of Acts. Not much to say about Thomas. You go look in your Bibles, look in the epistles. There's no gospel according to St. Thomas. Y'all can come up now. There's no writings about Thomas. You got to go and check the record of what happened afterwards. This moment so marked Thomas that Thomas went to India, what we now know as India, to preach the gospel. All the disciples are like, going to Jerusalem. It's the epicenter of the church. Then they'd go out to Antioch. They'd go to the regions called Turkey. But Thomas, Thomas went down to India. He went all the way far south as southern India, where even today, the St. Thomas Christians of southern India, how do you think they got their name? Thomas went to go preach the gospel. When he had that encounter with God, it woke him up and it revived him and he was ready to, like he said that one day, I'm willing to go all the way with you, Jesus. I'm willing to die with you, Jesus. All of a sudden, Thomas got that disposition back again. And he wasn't content to stay and preach to a bunch of Jews in Jerusalem. He said, no, I'm going to go to India where there are no Jews. I'm going to go to India where nobody knows the name of Jesus. And they are paganists and idolaters. And I'm going to go to India and I'm going to preach the gospel. Where eventually they would kill him. You want to know why they killed Thomas? They killed Thomas because he started to convert a prince and his mom. And the king got upset that he had Thomas killed. The king of the region. And Thomas's remains are actually in India. This is why I love studying church history. Last year, I had an incredible opportunity to be standing about 20 feet from the remains of the Apostle Peter. In St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, the remains of the Apostle Peter are there. That's why it's called the St. Peter Basilica. So Peter is not just some guy that I read about in my Bible, but I stood there. And I don't know if you know this, but St. Peter's Basilica is the, the most ornate cathedral. It is the largest cathedral on this earth that was constructed by the church at their time, St. Peter's Basilica. And I stood there 20 feet from St. Peter's remains, from the Apostle Peter's remains. And I stood there in that basilica. Do you want to know what came to my mind when I saw all of that? All of this for a fisherman from Galilee. All of this from a guy that was a fisherman from Galilee. You can go to St. Thomas's Cathedral in India, and there are Thomas's remains. Do you want to know how Thomas died? He was speared to death. 
Who else was speared? Jesus. Jesus said, touch my side where they speared me. Thomas said, I'm willing to die with you. He didn't die with Jesus, but he died like Jesus in the same way that they killed him. That was Thomas. The door was closed, but the dream was still open. I'm here to tell you, Lighthouse Church, in spite of what you're going through, God's not done with you yet. The dream is not dead yet. As long as you're breathing, he's got a plan for you. As long as you're here, there's purpose for your life. Let me pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for meeting us today. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.